Welcome to the Every Nation Taipei podcast. We're here to help you know God, discover your purpose, grow in your relationships, and make a difference in Taipei, Taiwan, and beyond. We hope this message encourages you today. Father, we come to you today, and and Lord, we just we we come with all the different thoughts and ideas and things that we've been focused on. For some of us, it's been the election. For others of us, it's been uh, football back in the in the states. Uh, for the others of us, family back home or wherever it might be. Father, today we we just take a moment and we shift our focus to you, and we we hear your words saying that we should. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that He would send out laborers into His harvest. And as we come into this series on being set apart, the holiness of God, we think of Isaiah who who recognized his deep need and and how short he fell of being the man that God called him to be, and how unable he would be to ever live up to being that person. And let, yet, Lord, you brought holy fire from heaven, you, and you, you you touched his lips by your holiness, by your holy fire. You transformed him into one who, from from being radically aware of his own shortcomings and his failures, he became one who said, "Lord, here am I. Send me." And Father, I pray that as individuals and as a church, we'd be touched by holy fire to get past our own shortcomings, because they are many. And to see that it's not by might, it's not by power, it's not because of who we are, but it's because of who you are. That we become holy because you are holy. And so, God, as a church, we pray, Lord, touch us with holy fire, restore our hearts, Lord God, to live beyond ourselves, break us out of our selfish uh, lives, Lord God, our self-centered thinking, and help us, Lord, to have not our thoughts but your thoughts, not our heart but your heart. That we'd, be, we'd say, Lord, I want to live beyond myself. I want to be a part of what you're doing here in this city and in this nation and in this region that you've placed us in. We pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, we can go home now. <laughs> um, now you know we just finished fasting and prayer for a week. Uh, it was great. Um, and uh, was was just coming together for times of prayer. Uh, and and so we have some. Um, some shots, some some photos uh, of just the prayer times together. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night we were here in person, and then um, every day at noontime we were online praying together. And you know the Bible says that whenever two or three come together, that God is there in our midst. And we're so glad that God was here in our midst, and we met with Him as we began this year, consecrating ourselves as a church. I want to encourage you if you haven't done done it yet uh, to just really take some time. We have this. Um, this prayer and fasting guide, which I think we've run out of the, the physical copies. I think we only got 150 of them and they ran out. Um, but we have them available online. They'll be in the family chat. And there's a few pages here um, that I'd encourage you to take a look at as you kick off the year. If you haven't done it yet, there's a year where you just start to set and say, what this year, what am I, what am I believing God for? What am I praying for? What is God calling me to do this year? 
and to set your heart for those things. You know, we, we, we don't live like um, there's a card, cartoon of Charlie Brown learning to shoot his bow and arrow, and he would go to a barn and shoot his arrow, and then he'd paint the bullseye around wherever it hit. You know, and some of us, that's the way we live our lives. Like, you know, I'm just going to live 2024, and hopefully I get somewhere, and wherever I get, that's going to be what I did for the year. But, but God calls us to live with people of, to be people of intention. God gives us the ability to choose, which is an amazing ability. God gives us the ability to dream and to imagine and to create with Him. And 2024 is another year where we can, it's, it's like a, a, a clean slate where we can dream and imagine with God and create things that haven't been here before. Impact lives and change lives in ways that they haven't been changed before. But it's you and I that begin in the place of prayer with God to imagine what He could do with us. And that's what makes the year so exciting as we come in because the Bible says God has thoughts for each and every one of us. You are on His mind. Coming into 2024, God thought about you. And the Bible says that His thoughts about you were thoughts of love, thoughts of good. He imagines amazing things for your life this year and people that you can touch. He wants you to end 2024 looking back and saying, and look at the lives that God touched through me. Look at the privilege that I had of being a part of God, blessing people's lives, seeing people set free, seeing people healed, seeing people come to know the love of Jesus. But it starts now as we begin to pray because there's people God has put in your life and you begin to pray for them. And, and this is what it means to be set apart, to be holy is that we start to set our lives apart to say, God, I want to serve your purposes in my life. I, want to, I don't want to serve my own small, little selfish purposes. I don't want to serve my own little hearts and pains. Some of us, we spend the, the whole year and we look back and what did I serve? I served my hurts and pains and offenses. I was really mad at that person. And I, I really got that revenge back on that person. And, and, and I didn't do these things because that guy hurt my life, you know, and this person. And I didn't want to hang out. And I wasn't so friendly at school because some of those people weren't nice to me. And so I didn't make any new friends. And, and we live our whole lives missing out on what God has for us. Because rather than being in that place of prayer and saying, God, I want to do what you call me to do. We live our lives saying, well, whatever happens. And then we live by our feelings. I love that line in that song. I will not be formed by feelings. I'm not going to have the, the testimony of my life be, well, I felt this and this and this, and therefore I did this and this and this. I want it to be, God made me for this. And that's what I accomplished in my life. And so I encourage you to take time, page seven in your, your handout, and just spend some time. Get together with your connect group. Uh, and, and, and in your connect groups, just take a time. Take a week this year and, and uh, in these early, early few weeks and say, let's just meet together and let's, let's pray together and share with each other so that we can encourage each other in the things that God has called us to do. Amen? All right, so we're doing this series as we kick off the year, six weeks on holiness, what it means to be set apart, what the scriptures say. So God is holy. Last week, this week, we're talking about holiness lost, and then we'll go through the rest of them in the coming weeks. Our theme scripture is 1 Peter chapter 1, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Amen. We become holy because God is holy. In fact, that's the only way we can be holy. And so today we're looking at holiness lost. What does that look like? Um, a quick overview. Uh, we're going to look at, um, oop, there we go, figuring it out. Holiness defined. We've got to know what it is that we lost, holiness lost, and then holiness found. Quick, simple 
uh, sermon today. All right, holiness lost. What is it that holiness defined? What is it that we lost? And we're going to be looking in Genesis, um, the beginning of the Bible, to understand holiness. We go to Genesis chapter 1. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. So God created man in his own image. What was lost is that we were created in the image of God. And that creation there, that simple word, when it talks about God creating man, there's an involvement between man and God in that. Whereas God created the universe, when you read Genesis chapter 1, and God created the earth, for the most part, what he created here on earth, he just spoke it into being. He just said, God said, let there be light. God said, let there be land. God said, let there be air and animals. But then when it came to mankind, the Bible says that God took some of the dust of the earth, and he formed man. And there's this interaction of God in the formation of man. And, and that also speaks of how each in each and every one of our lives, God wants to be involved with us. And so some of what we lost, some of what, what holiness speaks to is this relationship between us and God, that God is intimately involved in our lives. To live holy lives, and what holiness means is that we're set apart from the rest of creation by God's intimate involvement with us. In fact, holiness is actually a relational word. We often think of holiness as being a standard or being a lifestyle. But in actual fact, holiness speaks to relationship. Because without relationship, there is no holiness because what we're set apart from is wrong relationships. What we're set apart to is right relationships because you and I are created for relationship. This is actually the fundamental reason why you and I were created. God created us not because he needed someone to occupy earth, but he created us as objects of his love so that we could have and understand relationship with him. God is goodness. God is love. And so we're created to experience that goodness and love with Him. And so we talk about holiness. It means being set apart to this relationship with God, without which there is no holiness. So God created man in His own image to be like Him. This is a part of what holiness is. Male and female, He created them and God blessed them. So God created us not only for relationship with Him, not only for identity to be wrapped up in His identity, but he created us all to, to be in relationship with others. And in that relationship, God blessed them. It, the blessings of God come to us corporately and in relationships, whether it's husband and wife, family, church. This is also holiness, how we conduct these relationships. So God created us for right relationships. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So there's also holiness in purpose. What God created us for. In fruitfulness, there's a holiness. What are we producing? And is it out of that relationship with God? And then in the ways that we relate to this world, God calls us into holiness, that that relationship would also be a reflection of God in our lives. And so holiness is, really equals right relationship, right relationship with God, right relationship with people, 
right relationship with our created purpose and right relationship with the world around us. And if we are out of alignment in any of these areas, that's an area where we need to come back into holiness, back into right relationship with God. Identity, purpose, productivity, all these areas God has called us into relationship with him for the purpose of being a blessing to each other, being uh, uh, to honor him, to care for this world and to be fruitful, have an abundance in all that we do, be fruitful and multiply. This holiness that we had with God was then lost. And that's in Genesis chapter three, is the story of how we lost holiness, how these relationships were broken, how our, relate, our right relationship with the purpose for which God created us was broken. And it's interesting here, Genesis chapter three, verse one, the servant was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you may not eat of any tree in the garden? And so what's, ha what's happening here? The enemy is beginning to, to attack our trust, our relationship with God. And, and trust is foundational really to any relationship. And when trust is broken, that relationship quickly begins to disintegrate. Trust is so important, whether it's business relationships, family relationships, romantic relationships, working relationships, school relationships. Once trust begins to be broken, once you don't trust that your teacher really has your best interest, you, they start to be, stop being effective in teaching you. Once you start thinking your, your coworker doesn't have your best interest, you, you stop being able to work well with them. Same with bosses in any of these areas. And so the first thing the enemy does is, is he tries to break down trust. And you're gonna find the same tactics that the enemy uses in each and every one of our lives. Every time that we feel like we're missing out on something or something's not going the way that we want it to or some kind of tragedy or crisis that comes into our lives, even though all of those are fruit of the sin brokenness of the world we live in, the enemy will always come and try to place the blame on God and always try to bring a brokenness, try to bring mistrust into our lives. It's just what the enemy always, the way he always works. I don't know if that's the way he works with you, but that's the way he works with me. He always has a confirming word whenever I think, oh, I wanted to watch that show on TV and I'm too late, you know, God's to blame. You know, <laughs> it's raining today and I wanted to go to the park, God's to blame. The guy I, I, I wanted to, you know, to, to be in a relationship with, he rejected me and so God's to blame. The job I wanted didn't come through, the raise I wanted, you know, just, I got in a car accident, God's to blame. The enemy is always trying to erode trust. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you should not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And what do we see in this, in this scripture? What we see is the entrance of dead religion, which is actually one of the things that drive people the furthest from God and that we so often use to substitute for our relationship with God. And, and what do we mean here is that what, what God commanded Adam and Eve, he said, don't eat of that tree. What Eve did was said, well, I can go one better than God. And not even, we're not even supposed to touch the tree. So she starts adding rules to God's commandments. And that's what religion does. We just start adding more and more rules. We put rules on ourselves and rules on others and rules on our churches that are not from the Lord. And we start substituting our own rules for relationship with God. Because God's intention is right relationship. And the enemy will use anything he can to try to bring us into 
wrong relationship. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. So the serpent knows, okay, this, there's, a, there's a damage in that relationship. She doesn't really trust God. She's replaced relationship with God with rules. And so he saw the opening and he comes in and completely contradicts what, what God said. He said, no, you'll not surely die. So he comes with, with a flat out lie. And he can trick her into that lie because she's already broken off that relationship with God. And so she's no longer listening into God. She's no longer saying, God, is that a lie? Is that a truth? She's starting to rely on herself, which is really where religion comes in and, and where all, all departure from God comes in. We rely on ourselves and others other than God. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And there what he does is he brings in a deception and a substitution. Adam and Eve were already made in the image of God. But Satan tricks them and says, no, no, here's how you get what God already has promised you. You just go about it your own way. You do what he told you not to do because that's the path to it. And so we, we, we all strive to get what God already offered us by doing it our own ways, our, in our own strength. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, a delight to the eyes, treated to be desired to make one wise, and so these three temptations are the same temptations that come to you and I. There's a, the, the physical needs that we have. And rather than looking to God, she looks to the thing that God said, don't go after that. Come to me. A delight to the eyes, pleasure. We look to ourselves to fill and other things to fill our pleasures. A tree desired to make one wise. Our own standing in the world our own abilities. We start to substitute other things for God. Verse 6, she took, she took its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And this is the thing about sin. It never stops with us. And it never stops with the first bite. If you've ever been stuck in any kind of an addiction, whether it's a chemical addiction, a substance abuse, whether it's relational addictions, addictions to things like pornography, it never stays the same. Addictions always grow because that's what sin does. There's an old saying, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay. And it was, it's going to destroy your life. Verse 7, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And what sin does, it begins to shift our perspective. And then all we can see, instead of the work of God and the presence of God in our lives and in the world around us, we start to see just the presence of sin and the destruction of sin in our lives. And we become people who are just critical. We become people who can see everyone else's fault become people who grumble and complain and accuse and condemn. Become people who are gripped by the shame and insecurity of knowing our own fallenness and our own sin, rather than seeing God and seeing Him at work in the world around us and seeing the opportunities. Rather than seeing an opportunity for healing, we just see the sickness and we withdraw. And that's what sin does. It begins to change our perspective. 
Verse 8, Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Why? Because sin always causes us to be separated from God. And the very solution to our shame, the very solution to our brokenness and our fallenness is in relationship with God. But what sin does, it causes us to want to withdraw from God. Withdraw from where he is. I see this all the time. People are struggling in an area of their life and the first thing they do is they begin to cut off their relationships. They begin to not show up for connect group or for, for prayer or for church. And so the very thing, the very place where they could find healing and restoration, they cut themselves off from it because that's what sin does. It breaks our relationship. And we start into this long spiral of broken trust. From Adam and Eve where they, once they sinned, they began to blame one another and, and, and accuse one another of being the cause of their sin. And then it went to their kids, Cain and Abel, who went beyond blame to the place of murder. And, 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 and this, is, this is God talking to Cain before he murders his brother Abel. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do, not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It is, its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And so there's this picture of sin. It's as, as Cain goes from Adam and Eve, the, you know, the origin of sin, and they're blaming one another, now it goes to the next generation, and it goes to a desire for murder. And God says, God gives him a way out. God brings conviction. Conviction always gives us a way out. That's the difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation just says, you messed up, I'm cutting off the relationship. Conviction says, there's a way out. You can do better than this, and I will help you. And he says here, sin is crouching at the door. He's a picture of like a, a, like a lion. I, I, I always love watching um, animal, you know, planet and animal TV shows, my favorite kinds of TV shows, and love the predators, you know, the, the lions that do lion weight, and then they kill the poor antelope. But that's what sin does. It's waiting. It's waiting till you are unaware and try to catch you in a moment of weakness. And then it's not there to be your friend. It's there to steal, kill, destroy. It's desire. Sin's desire is always contrary to you. Not just contrary to your desires. It's contrary to who you are and who you will become. But you must rule over it. You have to take sin and beat it down and triumph over sin. So we went from Adam and Eve to Cain and Abel to murder. And then we went to this guy called Lamech in, in, uh, further on in Genesis 4. And, and Lamech or, or Lamech had said to his wives, it goes from one wife to another, hear my voice. And there's a sense of domination and abuse in that. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. And he's saying, Look, you know, there's, there's been conflict in marriages, but let me tell you what, I'm taking it to a whole different level. I'm taking it to a level of abuse and domination and control. And I'm taking it from murder to, 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 to just excessive violence and the killing of many. And so his sin, his sin goes from generation to generation. Sin continues to grow and to spread to the point where, um, if, if Cain, Lamech said, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's revenge is 77-fold. It's just going to multiply sin. So we see this downward spiral of sin from Adam and Eve in blame, Cain and Abel to murder, Lamech to multiply it, abuse and violence. Go to, to, to uh, Genesis chapter 6. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth 
every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Mankind had just given themselves over to sin, to multiplying sin. And that's what happens in our lives as we let sin get, get a root. It never stays where it starts. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. You see, when, 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 when God sees sin in our lives, we often picture God as being angry and ready to punish. The truth is God is grieved at the separation because he loves us and that sin separates us from him. And God's deepest desire is to, to have us back. And, and this is what God wants to do in our lives to bring us back. Interesting thing, a quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who wrote the, the Gulag Archipelago and was uh, just writing against uh, a totalitarian rule and, and the depravity of, of, of bad leadership. But he said this, if only I were, it, it were also simple. In other words, if only we could just get rid of the wrong leaders and it was simple to, to, to correct society. He says, if only there was a simple way of correcting society. He said, if, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing e evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. So we always want to just say, well, it's those guys. They're the ones who are wrong. And, and evil is just in that circle. And it's always the other people who have evil. And I just want to create us and them. And this is what the world does. This is how the world handles evil. This is what we often see at election time. We want to create us and them, us and them. This is what cancel culture is. We're all good buddies and have a lot of tolerance until you do something I don't like, then it's us and them. Then you're in, you're the nuts people. You're the crazy people. And you hear this all the time. They're crazy. They're nuts. You know, someone wrongs us. Oh, they're just crazy. What are we saying? There's just no hope for them. They just have no logic. There's no sense of reasoning with them. There's no sense to reach out to them and to try to build a bridge. They just belong in the group over there. It would be so easy if we just did that. But the problem is, is that sin is in all of our hearts. And it's not just a matter of separating out those we like and us being separate. But it's a matter of dealing with the sin in our own heart. See, God's given us all the ability to, to set apart. We all have the ability to choose and to separate. But it's what we use that ability for. Do you use it to separate us from God? Do we use that ability to separate us from other people? Do we divide up society and the community and our friendships and our circles? Or do you use that ability to say, God, I'm going to separate myself, my desires and my perspectives to you. And I'm going to take on your perspective and desire and be one who builds rather than separates, who reaches out to the broken. Rather than saying, those are the sinners over there, I'm going to go to the sinners and say, how can I help them come into the light? How can I help the dead find life? Holiness found. This is what holiness found is. The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of sin and clothed them. And so he covered over their shame through the death of an innocent animal, foreshadowing the death of Jesus, who would be the one who would cover over our shame and heal our sin and our sickness and help us break the dominance of sin in our lives and the brokenness of sin in our society. That's what church is. Church is a place where we set ourselves apart and say, God, make us, give us more of you. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your doing. It is a gift of God. See, what God's done is where the enemy starts by, first of all, attacking our trust in God, Jesus comes to restore that trust. And really, everything that God does in our lives, the Bible says, begins with faith because First of all, we have to choose to trust God. We have to choose to trust and say, God, your plan for my life is better than my plan. Your plan for this relationship, because I only see it going bad. But God, what is your plan? I want to trust what you have to say. Your plan for that person that I just can't stand, that I disagree with, is either to set apart relationally, I'm just going to divide, or it's to set apart to God and say, okay, God, I want to bring this relationship into my relationship with you, and how do you see it? And now what, when I set myself unto you, how do you want to direct me in that relationship? Rather than we choose for ourselves. You see, the whole crux of the issue is who directs your morality? Is it based on what you think is right? Based on your experience? Based on your religious, can't even touch the fruit your own religious rules, or is it based on what God is saying? Are we going to live in the Garden of Eden the way that Jesus lived in a communication with God? God, what do you think about this relationship? What are you saying? See, the source of our morality, the source of our wrong and right, that's always our God. So each and every judgment that you make, you have to ask yourself, God, is that you saying that? Because it's often so different from what religion tells us and what our, our experience tells us and what the community around us, society tells us. But God's the only one who's holy. He's the only one who's righteous. He intends to always be the source of our good and evil. And that's why the, the only fruit that God said, this is the only thing you can't do. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, don't make up for yourself right and wrong. And that's been the crux of all of our sin. And when we stop trusting God to be our source of morality and our guide, and stop trusting His opinion on our perspectives and our relationships, and we substitute anything for God, that becomes an idol. But it's by grace, it's by His goodwill towards us by faith. Faith in what? Faith in Christ and what Christ has done in our lives. Jesus committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And who is that? Only God. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And today, God wants to bring healing in this place. Because so many of us have been living under the pressure of our own lusts and our own desires, or even our own religious perspectives of what's right and wrong. And God's calling us to, 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 to roll off that burden and come back to Him and just say, God, I lay all of this at your feet. Every area of your life where there is unrest, insecurity, fear, anger, almost without exception, that's going to be a place where we have substituted something in the place of God in our lives, where we've eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we sourced our righteousness in our own abilities, our own behavior, 
our own perspective, our own wisdom, our own experiences, or the opinions of others around us, rather than in our relationship with God, rather than in His words. And so today, would you stand with me? We're just going to come back to the Lord. I want you to just take a moment. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is with each and every one of us. And the Bible says that He's there to, to convict us and to show us what's righteous in our lives, what, what God thinks is righteous and what God views as sin in our lives. And so let's just bow our heads and, and, and ask God, God, you show me in my life the areas of sin in my life. You show me where areas that I need to change. For some of us, it's going to be easy. You're going to say, oh, I screw it clear. Others of you, it may be more difficult. But for all of us, the Bible says, if, if we say we have no sin, we're just we're calling God a liar. Because all of us have areas in our lives that can be more in alignment with Him. So Father, today as we bow our heads before you, we just invite your Holy Spirit to come and to shine the light of your holy fire on our hearts. Convict us of the areas, Lord God, where um, we've allowed sin to come in, in our attitudes, our perspectives, our actions. Father, we bring those. You said that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God, we confess our sins to you. Lord, even in the quietness of our own hearts, we just bring our sins to you. And we just ask you, Lord, forgive us of our sins. And Lord, begin that cleansing process in our lives. And we are so grateful for the grace of God where it's not only forgiveness, but Lord God, you begin to change and transform and cleanse us from sins and, and, and even from the effects of sin in our lives. And God, we're just saying, Lord, do that cleansing work in me. God, I pray too that you would just begin to restore faith. You, you, you grow our faith. You restore trust in each and every one of us, God, that we would begin to trust you. Not only, Lord, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us, but also, Lord God, to direct our lives, that you would be both Lord and Savior of our lives. And God, that you, you begin to speak to our lives. Let your Holy Spirit guide us. Lord, the, the different decisions that face us, the different choices that we need to make. God, we, we want to come to your Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, you guide us. You show us where we should go. You show us the choices that we should make. Father, like Isaiah, we want to say, Lord, here am I, send me. Father, we want to be a light in a darkened world. We want to be salt that begins to heal wounds and begins to bring flavor back to dead lives around us. Father, we just say, use us, God, to bring healing and hope and deliverance, good news to the people around us. Holy Spirit, guide our lives to places of light and healing and truth. Thank you for this church, Lord God. Make it your church to accomplish your purposes. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yes, give God a hand. 
Thank you for listening. We pray this message spoke to you and built your faith. For more messages like this, visit our website at everynationtaipei.com. You can also send a prayer request and reach out to us anytime. God bless you. Till next time.